What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 35 of the Beyond the Junkyard podcast. As always, I am your host, Junkyard James, JYJ, and right there is the man, the myth, the legend, the happiest man on earth, K-Dog. How's it going, my friend? James, Jimmy, Jam, Junk, Yard, the man. Glorious day. What an intro. It's a great time to be alive. At 65 years old, the man, the myth, the legend, the icon, the stinger. The stinger. Is a champion again. Again? It's been 13 years since the man has belt. My God, he is world tag champion with Darbus Allen, and this calls us for a celebration. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What a day. We'll talk more about AEW here in just a few moments. As always, before we get going into all of the... It's a content-rich episode this week. Before we jump into a lot of the wrestling news that's going on, Bottom left-hand corner of your screen, you'll notice a website, junkyardmediagroup.com. As you can tell in the the title of this episode, we're doing an Ask Me Everything type of episode here with questions from our Discord group. You can find the link to that Discord by going to junkyardmediagroup.com. And since we're doing an Ask Me Everything, we got those three or four questions from our Discord group. But hey, if you're on air watching this live with us, drop a question in the comments and we'll reach it at the end of the episode. But it's not all sunshine and rainbows in in the pro wrestling world right now. There's a lot of bad news and then let's just get the bad news out of the way. And see, I would have put the Bad News Barrett clip in the show. But the last time I put anything WWE related in one of our podcasts, they try to take the entire episode off fucking YouTube. So um, I think it might be the wrong time to do that anyway. So that's probably a good thing that you didn't do that. Oh, fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> let's get going. Uh, the The... Least bad news happened, I think, yesterday when it was announced that TNA has released Scott Demore or terminated his contract with the company. And I can't remember a time that Scott Demore hasn't been in part of TNA in at least some form of fashion. I don't know if he was he played as big of a piece when Dixie was running it, but the last five or so years, six or so years, um, Scott Demore has been a really integral part of the growth of TNA. Um, sounds like, from what I've read, that Scott Demore kind of saw the writing on the wall that his job was maybe coming to an end met with an investment banking corporation to see what they could do to help fund him to buy the company offered to buy the company from anthem 
Anthem rejected his contract or his offer, and now he is no longer part of the company. As a guy that's kind of maybe been a part of a TNA supporter from way earlier than I even know TNA was a thing, um, what are your initial reactions to the more no longer being a part of the company? Shocking, and I think that a lot of the talent feel the same way in TNA. Um, reports out there from various different wrestling insider media um, claim that at the beginning of the Zoom conference between the talent and uh, the new president of TNA, that uh, more stepped down, and that's not the case for them. Uh, so it's off to a bad start with the with the new with the new president. Yeah, I mean, when, when you people who personify TNA, it's got the more that list. I mean, when I when I first got introduced to TNA in 2005, oddly enough, right before Sting debuted in it, or debuted full time in TNA, um, Demore was the, the the manager for Team Canada with A1 and PD Williams and Bobby Roode and Eric Young um, had a heel persona as a manager, and that's how I first got to know him, and then. You look at the stuff that he's done behind the scenes, and as you know, when I really think of Scott Demore, I think of a guy that literally rebuilt TNA from the ground up because TNA was in shambles from 2015, 16, a little bit of 17, and then started catching a little bit of fire 2019, 20, and then has has just risen from the ashes basically um, over the last few years and has done a tremendous job at the roster that they've built, at the matches, at the production that they've done. Um, and just seemed like it came out of nowhere. Like, it just had two really great showings at, at the Palms in Las Vegas with Hard to Kill and then uh, the Snake Eyes show the night after. And, you know, TNA is on the up and up, and Demore was going to be at the head of the uh, – leading the charge of that, and all of a sudden he's gone. Um, quite a shot, for sure. Yeah, when I read that Demore was gone, it's a big shock to me, to be honest. When I became super kind of invested in Impact, it was Impact Wrestling at the time. You know, we went to Bound for Glory in what 2016 or something like that. With uh, think somewhere, yeah, and Dixie was there, kind of leading everything, and they had pretty decent talent. But they were all older talent, um, and the more was really just capable of bringing younger, uh, more athletic talent into TNA. People like Ace Austin, Chris Bay, um, who I think are now part of Bullet Club in some faction, some way, shape, or form. Um, he transformed that women's division. Um, the knockouts division to be more of a, more of a wrestling centric division and less of the, you know, glitz and glam and tits and ass show that, you know, wrestling was when TNA was kind of getting going. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Jordan Grace was just in the damn Royal Rumble holding the TNA belt and showed a really big, show that she was a future possible superstar 
one of the best women in the in the industry um kind of leads me to wonder like are there plans in the making for wwe to either merge with or buy directly buy out tna wrestling at some some way shape or form um they seem to have some sort of working relationship the guy that's taken over as president of the company helped get wwe on the score i think that's some form of sports app uh, i don't really know 100 percent what that is but he helped get wwe there so i'm sure he has some form of working relationship with wwe um and i'm sure with endeavor ufc people as well so that was my first reaction was wow what what this guy has really like without scott the more tna probably doesn't exist at this point um and it, it's just kind of a shame um and then my second reaction was tony khan needs to get this man in AEW because at least in ju- he doesn't have to have an on-screen role though it would be great for him to have an on-screen role because he has he has um awesome chemistry with don Callis from their time working together um and but even if it's just a behind the scenes role he i think he can really help out aew in a, a big way um it's just maybe if if he really wants to take that step to go to another company and or if he wants to just take some time off but it's just a big shock i think to a lot of at least some of the more hardcore wrestling fans and especially all the, like the impact centric fans really disappointed in the fact that he is no longer with the company um that, that was just the appetizer of the bad news that has been going on the past month or so. And we were trying to hold out for as long as we could to talk about this topic. Because this, this topic's been a couple weeks old. But I, we, we when we talked about the this episode earlier today and kind of how we wanted to structure it, we thought it was it had, we had to have at least a little bit of a conversation about it. And that is... The allegations regarding WWE and Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis and seemingly, I guess, maybe Brock Lesnar. Um, I don't even know where to start. I, when the when the allegations were first brought, they float like they my jaw dropped. Like, well, of course Vince McMahon had sexual relations with his people, but he was he was basically pimping them out to other superstars as a way to negotiate a contract. Like no way that actually happened. Um, But maybe it did. Maybe it didn't again at this time, they're all just allegations and we'll have to see if, if the allegations come into some sort of the truth. I hope the truth either, however it comes out that the truth does come out. Your initial reaction to these allegations, I'm kind of curious on what you think. I, I, I don't really have words besides kind of you took some of them out of my mouth with being shocked and, and just floored. Um, what you see on what what you saw on screen, main character was just hopefully just a storyline driven way of just the 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 way of the times type of storyline and character, but 
unfortunately, it, it appears that that was more so of a legit real life situation going on between Vince mm-hmm. and and some of these women. Um, this will be a whole topic, a whole episode, maybe even a mini series as to you know pipeline and timeline of how all this has transpired and once we kind of get some sort of closure to this <clears throat> one way or another this will be talked about for a while um not only in wrestling media but just in media in general um there i, I said this before um it's actually kind of funny there's uh, a couple guys that uh <clears throat> were doing vending work for me installing lights at a at a site I was working at, and uh, the, the lead guy was uh, the lead guy of the contract of, of the job. He uh, was a big wrestling fan. Is a big wrestling fan, um, and uh, we were talking a lot about that. And this was last week, and I mentioned to him, I said, "This thing's going to get much worse before it even gets whatever mm-hmm. better it is." Um, seems like almost every other day, there's some new article, there's no some new allegation, there's some new lawsuit being. Uh, sent up uh, to the docket, and I I don't see how this thing is going to get any better. It's going to get much worse. I feel like there's going to be so many more people coming forward, uh, so many more negative things being said. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot more lawsuits. Forces are going to happen. Relationships are going to be crumbled forever. Legacies may be altered because of this, if, if it hasn't already um just a lot of of terrible terrible things uh that have happened um unfortunately are just now being shown to light and uh um one of which was the the vice article that came out um today when it pertained to ashley masaro uh ashley masaro was a ww wrestler uh from i believe 05 to 08 09 something like that uh she was on the cover of playboy i believe um, I, and that's another thing too, that w- w- with these playboy things, w- my unfortunate thought goes to the fact that I wonder if Vince not only had a big say in those females, getting those covers and getting those spreads, but if there was some sort of even more disturbing manipulations going on behind the scenes to get those covers, um, hopefully not. Hopefully they were more so of hey, hey you know the 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 brass at Playboy came to the came to the superstars and asked them conducted cordial actual business and not some scandalous uh, to get them on the cut. Uh, was Ashley Masaro? Um, unfortunately, is no longer with us. She did take her own life um, about a decade or so ago. Um, and I believe that a lot of it had to do with the PTSD that she went through uh, with her time mm-hmm. at WWE. Um, <clears throat> that article in particular was mentioning about the time that WWE was doing a tour in Kuwait and how I think she wasn't feeling well and went to a medical tent, medical facility. They drugged her up and did something and led her to another medical facility where I believe this doctor basically drugged her up to where she was paralyzed and then basically was raped. Um, mm-hmm. And absolutely awful, awful, awful things. And people in the WWE brass told to keep it hush-hush, not to say anything. 
and here we are almost 20 years later that the story is finally getting out, out and that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, right. It will come to light. I really hope it does. I believe it will. And that whatever actions, consequences come of it um, are laid down appropriately to those that uh, are, are uh, led to um, to whatever the outcome is. Um, right. Just a really awful time. I mean, here we are, what, 40 days into 2024 and just absolutely insane stuff that has happened over the last 30 days. And this is the this is the the most uh, the most uh, um, unfortunate and, and saddening part of what's going on in, in the wrestling world for sure. Since then, absolutely, absolutely. And again, like like I said earlier, these are all just allegations at this point. Obviously, they're allegations, so they should be taken seriously. They should be investigated as as thoroughly as possible. We both don't have any backstage knowledge of what's going on and in the WWE. So we don't want to condemn or make it seem like we're condoning any any actions. We're just at this point, they're all allegations. Let's let the legal process go through. And if, if it comes to light that all of this, all of these allegations are legitimate, then let, let justice, hopefully justice gets done. Um, and, but... I agree with what you said. There's going to be a lot more that comes out of this before we see any sort of light at the end of the tunnel, if you would say. It's going to be a lot more yeah. negativity on this side. Um, and I, 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 I feel so much for women in general who associate themselves with professional wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the old timers will say it's a, it's a man's world. It's a man's sport. And then, you know, you get you know, trailblazer, uh, lunger blaze and sensational shape and uh, woman, um, fabulous school, all of those gals who infiltrated the female into the sport, not from a sexualized standard, and it sh- they should not be taken that way, but uh, to show that, hey, it's not just a man's world, that women can right. be just as entertaining as guys, and it doesn't have to be for a sexual innuendo meaning behind it. Um, and I sincerely hope that not just because of the company involvement, that's why I'm listing them first, that WWE, AEW, Mm-hmm. MLW Impact every every wrestling company indie to top promotion right. uh, takes seriously and and realizes that listen you need to treat all your employees the same whether they're in the front office whether they're active roster members whether they are fans wrestling media anybody and everybody should be treated the same. Um, mm-hmm. nobody should be, no one should feel unsafe. No one should feel like they, um, you know, being bribed to do something. Uh, it's one of those, if you see something, say something. And I, I truly hope that this is such a negative spotlight that something positive comes out of this. And, and, and if it leads to much better working environments for not just female performers, but, but, but they're at the top of the list. 
but, but, but performers and, and people within and around wrestling as a whole, right. just be better, treat people better, better. Right. Hopefully that, that, that start, if that starts, but hopefully that becomes a, a permanent becomes, thing from here on out. Right. And I think you'll get a lot of fans who will say, well, all of this stuff happened 20, 30 years ago. It was a different time back then. I don't think that excuses it in any way, shape, or form. Um, and and I'll also go on a line and say, like, we're not here just to to rag on Vince. You know, there's been allegations of bad doings in in AEW with Jericho, and and if if the Jericho allegations were true, uh, it seems like at this point that you know no one's talking about him anymore. But that a lot of it was puffed up to be bigger than what it actually was. But again, if those allegations were actually true and he did lead, you know, um, Kylie Ray, you know, and try to force himself upon her, then let Jericho be punished as well. And this is not just a, hey, let's just condemn WWE type of thing. This is an industry-wide thing. We saw in, what was it, 2020 with the um, the movement there that got like wrestlers like Jimmy Havoc and... And some other wrestlers, Jake Crist, I think it was, one of the Crist brothers, like they lost their jobs because of some of these allegations. Uh, Marty Scroll, um, you know, the Patrick Clark allegations, like all of these things should be taken seriously um, and let the, let the justice system and, and the in, uh, investigative work be done to make sure that the truth does come out and that we can find some sort of solution to fix this wrestling's a dirty business um and i think i think the women in the industry are treated a hell of a lot better now than they were 30 40 years ago but they're still i mean maria canellis went on social media talking about how this stuff was going on in wwe while she was still there and she was there you know what at like 10 years ago when she first started in wwe 10 15 years ago even and yeah. then in her second run, uh, you know, cups just a, a couple years ago. Um, so it ha- it it has happened and it has happened recently. Um, and I don't want us to get to a point to where we just automatically assume if an allegation is made that the allegation is necessarily correct. But I also don't want to go to a, the point of saying, "Oh well, she's just making it up," or she's looking for clout, like. Let's take it seriously and make sure that whatever's being alleged is, if it's true, it's true, and let justice be done. Let the punishments be done. If what was said is false, then let's just kind of pick ourselves up and go further. With that being said, I hate talking about negative stuff. Let's get to some more happy-go-lucky type of wrestling news. AEW Dynamite last night. I think that was one of the best Dynamites in the last six or eight months. Um, yeah, totally agree. Um, well, 5,100 tickets sold, I believe, was what WrestleTix said. I don't know if Almost everybody, yeah. I don't believe, I don't know if the entire uh, sold tickets made it into attendance. I don't know the exact like attendance record uh, of the of the show, but the the crowd was you could hear them. They were pretty loud. It was they were they were raging um, with. There was a report coming out that AEW 
was going to leave some of these smaller areas and go to some of these larger cities. This is why Phoenix was on fire. Um, and we'll see on um, Collision on Saturday, they're going to Henderson, Nevada. And the numbers are not looking good there for that show. Um, I I don't know what to expect with that show. This is right here is why, you know what, I will I will travel to Charlotte or I will travel to Greensboro to a bigger city to go to a show rather than it being in somewhere closer to me where we might not get the attendance because the crowd really made, I think, played a really big part in the overall feel of the show. Um, that Hangman Page and Swerve Strickland match, what, that entire segment was gold. I, I, I would, that was a pay-per-view match for free. And they can wrestle another 60-minute match on Saturday if they want, and I will watch the entire damn thing. Um, because they just have really great chemistry together. And we get the triple threat like I like I assumed we were going to get um, with the time limit draw. And it almost felt like we got a double a double turn. Like Swerve is now the, the face and Hangman's now the heel type of thing. Um, that was kind of interesting. Um, before we move further into Dynamite, thoughts on that match? And it opened the show. It went 30 minutes to open the show. It was a great opener. Yeah, for sure. I just to kind of hit on back on the on the market thing. Um, <clears throat> hopefully, they. Um, uh, I'm sure we're getting ready to talk about it. But when you hit these bigger markets, you get these bigger crowds. Even though they're in twenty thousand arenas and still only selling about five thousand tickets, um, you can make it look good. But it, it's a step in the right direction. When you get into these bigger markets, that's what should happen: is you get better ticket sales. Uh, when you go to you know Bossier City, when when you go to Savannah, Georgia, when you go to Charleston, South Carolina. These are B and C markets. They're, they're, that's WWE doesn't do shows that are TV tapings anymore because they're they're, they're just not great markets. They're not strong markets. Um, and I, I, I'm glad that there was a good crowd last night. It was a strong crowd. It was it was very vocal, very boisterous. Um, and and Heyman and Swerve, what a trilogy of matches that these guys have had. <clears throat> um, all three had kind of had a different feel to them, and this one didn't have any kind of interference to it. It was strictly just, uh, you know, ball to the wall wrestling match. Who's going to come out on top? And we get that time limit draw. Uh, we get, <coughs> excuse me, we get the triple threat match at Revolution uh, for the world title: Joe Hangman and Swerve, um, and, and that that subtle little turn at the end there very interesting because here's a guy in Heyman who hasn't beaten swerve and was hell bent on beating him and yet swerve was thrown out the challenge of five more minutes and mm-hmm. Heyman turned it down um and i while it it it, it, it seemed like a turn i also wonder if it's one of those Hey, I just got this triple threat match trying to throw my shot away because I didn't beat you, but I'm in the match as well. So right. either way, I thought it was very interesting how they did that. <clears throat> um and now we get that triple threat match at that revolution. Phenomenal. Can't wait for that. Yeah, it was truly phenomenal. And then we get the Joe promo immediately after that where Joe's hot that now he has to go in this triple threat and he feels like 
and, and just in triple, typical Joe fashion that, you know, the powers that be are, are out to get him and trying to make him lose this title. I, I think this the next four or five weeks leading up to this, this show, um, it, it's going to be a fun ride in multiple facets. And uh, I can't wait to go to Greensboro on March 3rd and, and watch the show live. Um, Revolution, it, it's going to be an early contender for at least AEW pay-per-view of the year, the way the card is stacking up. Um, the other big piece that I... Uh, two big pieces that of AEW that I want to get to. Uh, the first is Tony Khan's announcement. And a, a lot of people kind of figured out, hey, this is the announcement. Way before Ticketmaster kind of spoiled it a little bit by um, posting the, um, I guess, the t- uh, information on their website a little bit earlier than maybe they should have. Um, but AEW Dynamite is coming to Boston, Massachusetts on March 13th. That is 10 days after Dynam- uh, Revolution. So uh, the second the second Dynamite after the, the pay-per-view, going to Boston which in a, a special, I guess, television, episodic, maybe pay-per-view type-esque thing. AEW Big Business. And the poster, I don't know if you caught these innuendos, but I see all, a lot of people on social media talking about it. Um, the oh, yeah. the top part of the poster, there was like the, the streaming lights that formed MM, Mercedes Monet. Uh, if you looked inside, the word Boston was spelled B O S S T O N. It's clever. There's a lot of um, like the S and one of like the actual word Boston was or in one of the words had a money sign in it. Um, just very clever the way that they kind of hide all these innuendos. But my question with this is we, we know Mercedes Monet showing up. That that seems almost too too obvious is that Mercedes Monet showing up. Sean Ross Sapp, I believe, had a report out that Mercedes Monet has been signed with AEW for quite a while, been on the payroll for quite a while. They're just waiting for a good time to kind of get this, get the ball rolling, get her some creative juices flowing. I'm interested to see where she leads. She's not going to be at the pay-per-view, I don't think. Maybe she will be, and it sets up a match in Boston. Maybe that'll be where she shows up is at Revolution, though I'm more certain that She's probably just going to show up at the Boston show. That'll get all the people excited to get there. Pre-sale for that show starts tomorrow. Tickets start at 20 bucks. I mean, for a show at TD Garden, that's pretty cheap. I hope they can get as many people in that building as they can. But my question is, there's a lot of rumor and innuendo, to use a phrase from Conrad Thompson. There's a lot of rumor and innuendo if there's a second person who has a a money themed gimmick and that guy's name is Kazuchika Okada and I want to mention something because if you listen to the he's part of our network if you listen to the slapping meat wrestling podcast on Tuesday the host there we too deep made a 100% guarantee that Kazuchika Okada will be at Wrestlemania this year 
No, he's going to be in AEW. I don't care what you think. He's not going to show up in and at WWE. He's go. I think he shows up either at Revolution or at this show as well. And and Tony Khan has it's his thing where where he will do a double debut at a show. He did it with Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. Um, he he. I think he did it another time. Maybe maybe not. But like he knows how to do a double debut well. Um. And it makes a lot of sense. Mercedes comes over from stardom. Um, Okada comes over from New Japan. They've had contact, I believe, at Wrestle Kingdom uh, a year or so ago where they ended the show both raising their championships in the middle of the ring. They both have the money-themed gimmick with and with the show being called Big Business. It makes 100% total sense that both of these members – both of these people show up. We know Mercedes Monet is going to be there, but let's give them another surprise. It, it's a big show. It's at TD Garden. It's a dynamite. It's a themed dynamite. These only come once every couple months. He's going to go all out. The last time he did this, huh, funny because all out's one of the papers. Anyways, um, <laughs> and the women's division, and I'll let you give your thoughts on on big business here in a minute, but the women's division at AEW is going to be packed full here soon. Mercedes Monet rumored that Camille's going to join. They got Megan Bain, the return of Jamie Hayter. They're going to have to give the women time with as many people as Tony Khan is bringing into this division. They're going to have to give them more time, give them rampage, give them something. But your thoughts on big business? lot to unpack here, as uh, Conrad Thompson also likes to say. Um, you know, I am so happy that they put the fact of these, these tickets are starting at $20. If they price this show like Revolution was, this thing will sell out no problem. It really will. The goal is, does Mercedes Monet... Money, whatever, however they pronounce it. Can she draw like the men? Does she have the star power as like a CM Punk, who on a rumor alone got a one hour television show on TNT Rampage to sell out the United Center in Chicago with over 15,000 people there? Does Mercedes Monet do the same thing for her home crowd in Mass at the TV Garden? We'll see. They could be a strong crowd regardless. Um, clever clever decision to do that, obviously. Uh, the innuendos are there. Uh, more so an innuendo with these than the punk one. Um, mm-hmm. But still, um, I would love to see Mercedes and Ada at Revolution because of this. I don't think it happens. Um I kind of had the same thought with you for a minute that maybe they, they kind of debut her, but they say her first ever, her first match under AEW will be in her hometown of Boston. But I feel like that they may just hold, hold off another 10 days to view her um, in Boston, give her her flowers in her hometown and just let her have a 20 minute segment all to herself. I can see Okada debuting at Re- Revolution. 
to at least give us that surprise in a way. Even though it's going to be a really good card, I feel, and it's going to be a really good show, I still feel like they're going to do something to kind of give it that over-the-top feel that most of these AEW pay-per-views do. Um, they've opened up more seats for Revolution, thank God. I think we got like another four, uh, five, 400 seats available, um, which could push the capacity over to 16,000. Y'all get your tickets. We're going to fill out that bitch for Sting's last match. It's going to be fantastic. Can't wait for it. I am... Ever since these the show was announced back in December and tickets went on sale, I've been so stoked for this show. Uh, probably the most hyped and anticipated show I think I've ever been. I've I'm ever going to at least at this point. Um, so um, I, I can't wait for it. it's almost here. And he's been to a WrestleMania. So, so. <laughs> I have been to a WrestleMania and and a Royal Rumble and um, Bound for Glory, and this is still. Um, Sure. One of the most hyped, if not the most hyped show I think I've ever been to. So this is just feel like a little kid again. It's going to be a night. Um, I want to bring this up because it popped me so damn good last night. I had a good, if not 10, but at least a good five, just, just belly laugh. Just a great big pop for it. So we're sitting there watching Dynamite last night. DK makes the announcement of big business. And obviously, the innuendos, the money signs, the money gimmick. My wife, sitting here, just says, out of the blue, swerve, it's going to be Shane McMahon. And I <laughs> popped so damn hard. Oh, you have no idea how bad I popped for that. I said, that would be fantastic. I said, nothing. Forget the fact that it's a McMahon showing up on AEW mm-hmm. television, which would be bonkers in, in itself. Uh, she, she does not like character Shane McMahon whatsoever for her. For, so for her to say that was pretty good. Um, but could you imagine that? Could you imagine if you did that before Mercedes came out and it was Shane that just showed up? Like, I, oh I don't know God. what I'd do. I would be so, so surprised. I would, I would be belly laughing just because I'd be like oh my god they, yeah, they swore the hell would... out of everybody <laughs> and then Mercedes comes be... out afterwards and that would be wicked um wow now oh, we're gonna get a trip we're gonna get a triple debut now Okada we're get a triple debut Okada. yes <laughs> oh my goodness put it into existence so let, let's get the hashtag rolling of uh <laughs> Shane to AEW oh that, that's great that's great I didn't even think about Shane him Mac-Mahon. Could you just imagine Shane just showing up and just like pipe bombing on the WWE? Like that would be the greatest <laughs> thing. Especially Vince. Oh uh-huh. my god. Yeah, that would that would oh. be interesting. Um but the biggest thing that happened on Dynamite this week was that Sting finally became a champion in AEW. Him and Darby Allen won the titles. But what happened after they won the titles? Those son of a bitches. Oh, Matthew and Nicholas. Those pieces of garbage. They are the scum of the earth. <laughs> That's the young up. bullshitters. That's what they are. <laughs> I love the, just the commentary during that segment where they hit what used to be known as the BTE trigger. Now it's going to be called the EVP trigger. I love the segment. It was it was awesome. This the next five weeks of Sting, Darby, and the Young Bucks are going to be interesting. We're going to see the 
the dynamic approach that the Young Bucks have. Could you just imagine the Young Bucks? They take uh, they're gonna they take the titles at Revolution because of interference of the scapegoat Jack Perry. Like, and he's now joined into this effect. They they and, and they just they dig into the fact that they got CM Punk removed from the company. They they're going to remove Sting from the company. Like it would just be so so interesting. Like the biggest heel shit that they've ever done. Um, and that would be fun. But damn, that's that Sting at sixty something years old, jumping off the top of the damn <laughs> entranceway there. The man just doesn't care. He's having the time of his life in front of his kids. It's just, it's great to see Sting. Look, I haven't been a Sting fan for a whole long, a hell of a lot less time than you you have been a Sting fan. They 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 dropped that Sting scorpion pink shirt on Shop AEW, and I had to buy it. That shirt was fucking nice. I hope it gets here in time for Revolution. Um, Listen, they're they doing Sting. And they're doing Sting they well. That side by side face paint there, and I mm-hmm. want that shirt. I just hope it gets to before Revolution. I haven't bought it yet. I want to, but um, yeah, um, just wild, wild. They're doing Sting so well on his way out. I wonder if he he's going to have the main event of that show. You know, it would make common sense, but at the same time, that triple threat world title match has to be the main event. I'd love to see Sting open the show. The tag team match opened the show. See, I, or somewhere I in the middle. That. Yeah, I, I. That's the toughest part of booking that show is you honestly have been you booked that show with Sting's last match. That mm-hmm. was your tagline. It wasn't hey, Revolution's coming to Greensboro. The first time a big pay per view is is Greensboro in quite a while. It wasn't that it was Revolution's coming to Greensboro. It's going to be Sting's last match. Yep. Oh, and hey, by the way, it's going to be at the place that he basically got put on the map back in 1988. Right. Um, so one would think that it would be plausible that Sting gets the main event. I'm one of those people that I truly feel that the world title is is your is it's your True brand's top yeah. um, top prize. That should main event. I would not be mad if Sting did not main event. Um, mm. It would be it's going to be hard to follow regardless because I really feel like they're going to give that thing a thirty minute thing, could be a twenty minute match, and then just the last ten minutes of that is just going to be emotional with the whole send off. But that's why I could see it being the main event uh, to close the pay per view and just to give seeing his ultimate flowers and to give him that real big final send off. I'll be crying like a bitch. Um, so I'll be right there crying for that. Um, <laughs> yes, you know what you know. Before this, you know, I, I I had kept saying that I was going to dress myself up as Sting one last time for Revolution, and then I said I wasn't going to do it. Do you remember what the reason why I wasn't going to do it was? Because you couldn't. You can't see without them glasses on. Yeah, correct. Well, this feller in the front row of Dynamite last night may have just saved me and has may, maybe has given me the the wherewithal to possibly do it. I don't know if you caught it, but I sure as hell did, and I took a picture of it. Hopefully, it shows up on here. If not, it's okay. I had to take it on my phone. I probably could have sent it to you so you can put it on the screen. Um, this man had the Sting face paint on and has got – oh, boy, it's blurry. All right, hold on. Let's see if we can get this to work. 
All right, let's see here. Steam face paint on, and no, probably still not gonna be able to see it. Uh, Put the glasses. Oh, good. Got glasses on. <laughs> the man has got glasses on. Uh, that's it's, good. it's giving me hope. It's giving me hope. The problem is, is we're driving an hour and a half to uh, Greensboro. Mm-hmm. People looking at me like I'm a freak. Um, so that, that won't be fun. <laughs> Stop um, at a red light next to like a police officer. Yeah, that that's going to be real fun. Uh, and then we're going to be going out to eat beforehand. I won't be able to eat very much. Um, so there's a lot of things that are preventing me from possibly still doing it. It's still a possibility, but I doubt it. Um, but yeah, just go backstage and let Sting do it for you. I, yeah, that would be that would be <laughs> the ultimate honor. Um, yeah, it's just gonna be it's gonna be a hard show to book. It's just gonna be a hard show to book. <sighs> Part of me just thinks that they're probably gonna give it seeing the main event just for the fact mm-hmm. that it's a send off. Um, just gonna be an overall emotional feel to it all. Um, but I wouldn't be mad if it wasn't because the world title does deserve to be a main event. However, I will say the Sting's kids there, Garrett and Steven, my gosh. Why, um, why aren't they wrestling? <laughs> you ain't why, kidding. Why, why aren't they? Though yes. I did see that Sting has a daughter-in-law that is a wrestler, and she she wrestles. Um, she's part of Cody or Dustin Rhodes Academy or whatnot. Um, Caitlin Borden, I think is her name. I think she's... Garrett's wife. I think it's Garrett's wife. Yeah, yeah. She wrestles. So why don't they wrestle? They 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 What's train it? with Brian Cage a lot. They post it on social media a lot. So get the them in the ring. Trio. I'm yeah, telling you. Get... I'm telling you what. Stephen looks like Sting in 1988. The dude looks mm-hmm. just like him. It's Sting Junior. And then Sting Junior Junior. That's what we're gonna call it. <laughs> um, Sting cubed. Um, Thank you. Sting, Sting Stung, whatever you want to call it. El Ijo um, de Stingo. El Ijo de Stingo. Los <laughs> Faccionales del Stingo. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, uh, pretty crazy though. But it's gonna be a gonna be a wild show in Greensboro. Great moment last night. Besides those pieces of shit EVPs, the damn young bucks <laughs> and their bitch asses, gonna get their asses put, kicked March third. I put. On social media, I think on my personal account, we have five more weeks of Sting in a ring, and we like enjoy it while we got him, because when he's gone, I think he's actually gone this time, and I hope he stays yes. around. Yeah. I hope he stays around and helps out in the back or in some way, shape, or form. But damn, it's been a it's been a good journey for Sting, and his AEW run was done so much better than his WWE run for a lot of reasons, but. Oh yes, it's going to be. Uh, I'll tell you a what, if he keeps day. taking these crazy ass bumps, he ain't going to make it a revolution. So let's let's pump the brakes here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, here, so yeah. Just, just let, let him do the right? segments, but like n- no more matches until your final one. <laughs> no, I guess do one. No, no. Let's do one match of them defending the tag title. What they actually defended it once. Give it to like the workhorseman or uh, who's the Ricky Morton lookalike and the other guy like they're stuck in the eighties. <laughs> that's on the tag team on Collision. Um, put it against them, um, but don't do nothing crazy, Stinger. Just, yeah. just defend the titles once. Say we did that, and then let's get to Revolution. Absolutely. Let's transition a little bit to some other news. It was reported that Warner Brothers, Fox, and ESPN slash Disney 
are working together on a joint venture for a sports streaming app to come out this fall. And the biggest question that I have, and they weren't mentioned in the press briefing for this, is this AEW streaming service? Andrew Zarian, which he's been right more times than he's been wrong about a lot of things here recently, said that he's heard there's a possibility that um, Warner Bros. shows Dynamite and Collision live on TV, as well as simulcasting it through a streaming platform. Do, does this, Is this the streaming platform that they're re- referencing? There's a lot of questions we have about it. It's intriguing. Any, any thoughts about this joint venture? It's not really a merger. It's just three companies working together to kind of bring a lot of sports content easier to get to i guess um yeah and i mean there's there's so many things out there streaming wise now just another thing another paywall to have to 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 purchase if you want to watch something um i come on there so they don't have cbs that's that's interesting that they don't have that um until they really get that i I don't think really anybody should switch anything until we get all the big ones on that, and then maybe we can actually switch over and have an all-in-one, your one-stop shop type platform. My biggest thing is, so, I mean, CW is owned by Viacom, which is a CBS property. They're not featured onto this. We're always going to Netflix. SmackDown and NXT are on USA, right? Are going to be going to mm-hmm. USA, yep. which is part of NBC Universal. They're not part of this joint venture either, so no wrestling promotion is on this streaming plat streaming joint venture. At least at this um, point, yeah. At this point, yes. And then if you if you notice that they do have the combat sports listed, UFC is one. I think there was another one listed on there. Typically, that's where a wrestling company would be put, mm-hmm. and they weren't featured. So I've still got some questions. I don't know. I would. I, I hope. I really hope that they do have a simulcast of either TV and streaming or just streaming um, mm-hmm. or a new TV deal. Uh, but until we really get more answers, you know, still got quite a bit of questions with that. A lot of questions. You know, I think the reason I kind of feel like this is the deal that a uh, Tony Khan and everyone's working for towards is because it's coming out fall of 24. They don't have to have AEW in this. That I guess technically maybe they're not allowed to – say that AEW can be part of it at launch because their their current deal doesn't end at least as far as I understand till the end of 2024 so they they ha- they'd most likely be able to start January of 25 so may because if you read the press briefing it lists all of these different sporting leagues and then it says at the end and more so it, it leads me to think that there's a possibility that at some point AEW can jump on there but again, nothing's been confirmed or denied about it, so we'll have to wait until we get there. Did, Plus, did, did we... so hell, I mean, Raw, Raw's going to Netflix in January, and they've already announced that, so they've already got a year ahead of that. So it's going be interesting times, for sure. We're only in February, folks. Only in February. Did we cover all the news? There's been a whole lot of shit that's been going on the last... I'm sure there's still more, and, and like, it's only February. This is shaping up to be... An absolute wild uh, just year in general. Twenty twenty four is going to be wow. an interesting one for wrestling, um, more interesting than a lot of them have been. 
Yes. All right, let's end the show here. We got a couple questions in the Q&A. Uh, I think three of them. We'll start with the least serious one because I think <laughs> it's kind of a little bit of a funny question. comes from our guy, DJ Wavy D. I like the question. It's kind of serious but kind of funny at the same time. We'll start with this one. If you were a wrestler, do you think you would want to date another wrestler or an outsider? I'm going to go first on this one because you're you're tied down, so I'm not going to let you get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, my answer's already been taken on that, right? It, right. Um, if I were to be a wrestler, we've heard the stories of how traveling can really make put a strain on a relationship when you're traveling and your spouse is at home. I think, um, was it Kurt Angle that had a really torn relationship because of that? Um, there's been just several people that have said that, like, because of my cruel travel schedule, I wasn't able to be the father that I wanted to be or the husband that I wanted to be. I was always in pain or on the road or when I was able to see my kids, it was only for a short period of time. Um, so for that reason, primarily alone, I would, I would aim for, and I think this is the reason that you see a lot of pro wrestlers date other pro wrestlers because they can travel together if they're in the same promotion or if they're not traveling together, then you're traveling separately in different promotions or whatnot, but you know the, the difficulties of, of you understand it. If, if you're dating an outsider outside of the wrestling business, they may not understand the girl travel schedule. And it may it may put a strain on that relationship. So I'm going to go with I would date uh, someone that's in the industry in some way, shape, or form. Um, your answer is n- none of the above, right? Yeah, I want to <laughs> preface this that I am married and I, I I love my wife very dearly, and I I would not choose to replace her ever, with the exception of Adam Sandler. Um, <laughs> With that being said, um, yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, I'm obviously going to touch If I was a wrestler, and I'm clearly not, never will be, so you have nothing to worry about, sweetheart. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel that you would have trouble. to date somebody in within the industry. I just don't think that enough relationships last when somebody's away from from their family that long. Now, there are some exceptions to the rule. AEW doesn't do the, the vigorous schedule that WWE does, so people that are married outside the industry, outside of wrestlers, can at least have a little bit better of a, of a situation because they're not on the road as much. It's still on the road, but just not as much. Um, at the same time, I almost would rather it's a convoluted answer, and it shouldn't be, but that's just my little works. Um, I, I just see things on, on both sides of the platform. I don't know why I do for every question, but I just do. In a way, I almost want to date outside the industry as well because I wouldn't want to bring that person in the industry, not because mm-hmm. I'm doing anything wrong, but because the wrestling industry is filled with just so many odd people and, and, and very weird 
people and situations and they don't need to be around that kind of toxicity. But, uh, um, you've, you've also seen, and, and to kind of play to that fiddle there, there's been times where relationships fall, have fallen apart between people, both people being in the industry. You look at uh, Kevin Sullivan and, and Nancy Benoit, their relationship fell apart. And it was Chris Benoit traveling with Nancy, keeping kayfabe, that kind of tore that relationship apart. Um, Kevin Sullivan wrote that the whole way, and he wrote his own divorce. It's amazing how that happened. And so there's a danger in, in, in both. Um, so it is a difficult kind of question to think of. Um, yeah. I'm not the person you should come to for relationship advice, so don't ask me. Um, he Ask him. He's married. It <laughs> <laughs> was a... I can only give you the best uh, advice I can only give, and that was my wife chose me, and I chose her. That's that's all I got. We, we were a match in heaven. Find your match made in heaven. They're they're out there. Get a plentyoffish.com account, and then accidentally pay for six months, and then forget <laughs> the fact that you did that, and then know that you're about to be auto renewed, and then you found the love of your life. So now you get, you get to cancel it, and you don't have to worry about auto renewals. That's how mine worked. So there you go. There you go. She gave you that for me free. not to plenty for six months. So thank you, sweetheart. Appreciate that. Welcome. Just celebrated three years of of a, of a marriage, by the way. So kudos three, to us. Yes, three. we are the weirdos that uh, got married a week before Valentine's Day. Uh, I uh, did that on purpose so we can celebrate both holidays at once. Um, yes. Just kidding. We, we, we still <laughs> celebrate Valentine's Day. So there you go. There we go. Second question. This one won't hurt your marriage, I promise. Good. I like it. Well, these are a question. <laughs> Do you think this comes from B Master 84 on the Discord? Do you think that TKO will become a huge monster that will do anything to get ratings, which includes ignoring their fans and doing what's best for business? Or is TKO just the blank check and it's really WWE doing the fans? Dirty, but don't want to be seen as in a bad light. Again, I'll go first. I think TKO found a company that was struggling to find a new TV deal. That was struggling to figure out what they were going to do. And they said, let's let's take them into our property. We have the UFC. We're the king of live sports, at least combat sports. Let's add WWE to our portfolio. But I think TKO's main prize, their biggest possession, is always going to be the UFC. I think if WWE becomes too much of a uh, liability, they will drop WWE in a heartbeat. I, I, I They kicked Vince McMahon out with these allegations. If the allegations go further, I, I think Paul Levesque, Triple H, will be the next to leave. John Laurinaitis is gone. I think Bruce Pritchard could go. I think they will do anything and everything that they have to do to to make sure that their company and UFC in general is seen in the best light. Now, with that being said, I think WWE gains a lot from this as well because – now they're under the TKO umbrella, and TKO has 
kind of can take the hits for them and kind of let the people in WWE kind of find some wiggle room to find a way out. Perfect example is at this press conference today, Triple H spent a lot of time blabbering. And part of it was about the Netflix deal. And I don't think they get the Netflix deal without TKO. I think TKO set that up for them. And so in a way, I think TKO is the check, is the way to get WWE. And they'll take the hits until it becomes a liability. But at the same time, I think I think there's a net a, a neutral positive for both because if UFC does a big event and WWE can do a big event in the same area and they can do some joint events together you get the worldwide exposure with both the UFC brand but at the end of the day I don't think Ari Emanuel I don't think um what's his name Dana Dana White is that him Dana White I think that's him yes um I don't think they give a shit about WWE. They're, they're mixed martial arts guys. That they don't give a shit about WWE. But if it makes them more money, then they'll, they'll support WWE. Once WWE becomes a liability, if these allegations come out stronger against a lot of these other people, they'll, they'll cut WWE in a heartbeat. I, I think they, they will terminate the agreement. The t- they will split the companies back apart as fast as they brought them together. If, if it becomes a liability in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with that. Um, I will say that TKO in a way and Endeavor has already kind of, um, um, spearheaded a couple things that I believe they made some sort of announcement over the last month that they were going to be cutting back on the live events. Um, so I, they're already kind of making some decisions, and I, maybe that's more so of a money thing than anything. I don't know, um, but anything that's going to make them more money, I'm sure they're all for it. And yeah, they are pushing the hell out of this Netflix deal, and I think it's to push as much positive positive light on the company in the midst of the of, of the craziness that's going on. Now that they've Vince McMahon is no longer a part of WWE, he's no longer a part of TKO. He is done. So. I think in their mind, they're, they're all right, we've got rid of the negative. That's out. Push the positive as much as we can. Uh, the Netflix deal, the Netflix deal, the Netflix deal, WrestleMania, The Rock, uh, coming aboard to TKO. Like, I, I feel like they're trying to distance themselves as much away from that negative press, even though it does still affect that company in some way. Um, but I, I don't think that TKO would be the one to be like, hey, listen, we know it's for business. You're going to do what we say when they're not exactly. I think they hire people for their brands. They kind of let them do their, but they will get involved, feel the need to. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't foresee them making so many decisions. But um, it's, it's kind of funny how you mentioned about the UFC and WWE thing where UFC is probably like, eh, they're the wrestling guys. We don't really care too much. Um, I did get an email yesterday from WWE saying that uh, uh, you could experience a luxury suite at UFC 298 in a couple weeks uh, with Montez Ford and Bianca Belair. So that's one thing that I feel they'll be doing a, a decent amount of is that cross-promotional stuff. So expect some UFC guys to be at, at WrestleMania maybe. Uh, so you see a bunch more superstars at UFC shows. 
Um, so that part in itself will definitely be a thing. Is is promotional, but I think that TKO is smart enough to be like, you guys got where you were because of your decision making. You guys know more about that stuff than we do. We trust you with that, but we can get involved if need be. But we're also backing you with a lot of money to do stuff as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So I see it as it's it's still two companies under one roof. You have the UFC guys doing UFC things. You have the WWE things doing guys doing WWE things. But at the end of the day, if you become a liability in either way, shape, or form, TKO and their front office, their board members, they'll step in when when it's necessary. But I don't think they're going to micromanage either or, to be to be completely honest. Um, and then we get to our last question. Again, our guy, DJ WBD. Hey, man, you're like the, the most dedicated guy watching right now. Thank you. Thank you, my friend, WBD. This is the hardest question I had to think of. That's why I put it last. It's giving me more time to think about it. What would both of you do, or what are our game plans on how we would fix AEW's TV ratings, especially the live attendance problem? Example, would you consider downsizing, staying in one facility, etc.? And again, I'm going to go first because I want to. Um, <laughs> I don't think we have a a ratings problem. I don't think we have an attendance problem. And the reason I say that is because to admit, to say that you have a ratings problem would be to say that you're looking at attendance from WWE. Now, uh, to other WWE events, yes, we don't sell as many tickets. We don't have as high of a TV rating. But AEW, and I've, I've said this from 2019, and I'll say it till the day AEW, you know, becomes 50 years old and they're the WWE type of thing. AEW did not exist to beat WWE in anything. Their mission has always been to be an alternative to WWE for the fans that don't like WWE. Now you have another secondary promotion that you can watch that might be your flavor. In fact, there was a tweet, an X post, I don't know what you want to call them now, that I saw um, the other day. Maybe it was this morning. I can't, I can't really remember. Hold on. Let me, I'll pull it up right here. Um, a lady said, she she's tried giving AEW a chance, watching a few shows, but always feels let down. WWE is better for her. And I commented and I said to her, I respect that you at least tried it and it's not your flavor, but at least you tried it. There's so many WWE fans who don't taste AEW just because it's cool for them to hate on it without trying and vice versa. There's AEW fans that hate WWE and, and they haven't watched WWE since 2018. To me, those people are the type of people that are like that five-year-old kid who cries every time they have to try and eat broccoli, but they've never had it. They just have this preconceived notion that it tastes bad, but until they try it, they will never know if they actually like it. And so I don't think we have an attendance problem. I don't think we have a, a 
ratings problem because I don't think those metrics necessarily matter to AEW, so they don't matter to me. You know what does matter to AEW and to Warner? The fact that, again, last night we were number three in, in on all cable. And the only two shows that AEW is behind were two basketball games. So of the other stuff outside of the NBA, which is the, what, second largest pro sports company in all of America, outside of the two basketball games on TV, that were nationally televised. AEW came in third place. Of everything else that was on TV. That matters to Warner. Typically, they're within the top five every single Wednesday. Collision does okay numbers. They're not great numbers. I look at Collision's numbers and I say, hey, they're half of what Dynamite is. If we were to compare that to Raw versus SmackDown, Raw does about half of what SmackDown does. And... NXT does about half of what Raw does. So we're in the same ballpark, but wrestling fans are wrestling fans. I don't think we have a problem with attendance. Surely I would like to have the crowd seem bigger. So if there was anything we were to, we, we were to fix, it would be let's book some smaller arenas. That way we can put 5,000 people in there and it looks like it's a full, full event instead of a half-filled crowd. But other than that, other than just the presentation of what it looks like on the TV, I don't think we have an issue. AEW got more revenue last year than they did the year before. As a business, that's all you're looking at. Did they cut a profit? No. They're year four, year five into this thing. No business in the world makes a profit typically year four or year five into their existence. I don't even think WWE did. I don't think WCW did. I know for sure TNA probably didn't. So to be where they're at four to five years into this, I think they're in a good spot and they're only getting bigger. I don't think there's really a problem. And I think that if there was a problem, Tony Khan would find the people that can fix it. I think AEW's on the best run they've been in in quite a while. Since All Out, the programming on, on Dynamite and on Collision have been, it's been one of the best runs they've had since well, before CM Punk to be quite honest with you. So we had that lull there where CM Punk was in and out of the company every now and again. Like the, the product, because of how you have to start a story, end a story, start a story, it, there was no fluidity. But now that we can kind of have that fluidity, the product is the best it's been in quite a while. I don't think there really is a problem, to be honest. That's all, folks. We'll see you next week. Um <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <clears throat> I think there is a slight attendance problem. Not as much of a ratings problem. Now, if you go on Fightful and you look at the ratings year by year, and as much of Pissant Bishop can be, I do agree with him that a, because um, he was a network executive producer. Uh, I've never been that, so I automatically give a little bit of credibility to him because he ran a television show for seven years, um, six years, whatever you want to call it. Network execs kind of look at ratings on a year-by-year -year basis. 
year to year, AEW's down a little bit. And I'm pretty sure that if you looked at 2023 to 2022, uh, they may be the swap. They may be, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll have to look at that. <clears throat> I don't love the fact that AEW has not really hit the 900,000 threshold in a little bit. We're consistently in the 800,000s, typically in the the upper 800,000s, which is good. Yes, we have lost a little bit of viewers because of the punk situation. Um, But hopefully with the addition of Mercedes, hopefully with the addition of Olcott, that that can change a little bit. We can see a higher numbers uh, that is yet to be determined. Um, but you look at what I like to look at is now to your point, WCW didn't turn a profit. Um, if you're, if, if you're counting when WCW truly became WCW in 1988, they didn't turn a profit until 1997 or 1996. So it was an eight year process. Now, since Eric Bischoff took over, which was 1993, 92, it's about a four-year process that he finally turned a profit. TNA finally turned a profit, I believe, in 2006 or 2007, so within the four to five years. So this is a very pivotal time for AEW to see if they can either, A, turn a profit, or B, get the trajectories up a little Um You look at their expenses, I just think that it's just been horrible marketing in really bad markets. Mm-hmm. I do believe that if Raw or SmackDown were to go to those same arenas, they would sell out because, A, it's a WWE-branded show. They should sell out. It's WWE's got 80 years on AEW. Secondly, WWE has a great marketing team. I swear to you, if I even think of the fact that I look at SmackDown's coming to Charlotte in two days on Friday, or tomorrow, Friday night, mm-hmm. bam, I'm getting emails from WWE. I'm going on X and seeing promotional ads on X. I'm going on Facebook, seeing ads on Facebook. If I didn't pay for YouTube Premium, I'm getting an advertisement for YouTube Premium saying, hey, mm-hmm. or, or for YouTube, uh, before the video shows, hey, SmackDown's coming to Charlotte in, in uh, tomorrow. Um, and to cut you off real quick, we're five years into this AEW. If there's one thing you can fix, can I get a damn mobile app? I get alerts before the show starts on the WWE app every single show. Monday I get an alert. Hey, Cody's going to be on the show tonight. SmackDown, there's going to be something popping up. NXT on Tuesday. Get a mobile app and shoot it out to people. You're five years into this. Where's it at? Yes. Yes. And I totally understand if you want to create the app, the streaming stuff that you're waiting for that. I can understand that, but Jesus, TNA had an app and didn't have anything close to a streaming thing for years. Um, It can happen. Just put it on there. And then if you get a streaming service, then just add it on to that or put everything on. There's there's ways to work around that. You can't just rely on Facebook and X for people to be like, oh, uh, I just got an alert that Dynamite's coming on. Like Those push notifications on the W excuse me, WWE app or even whatever uh, to, to tell you that, hey, Raw's getting ready to start. SmackDown's getting ready to start. Uh, WrestleMania's getting ready to start. Like, it, it's just mind-boggling to me that we still have a marketing problem. I mean, and the reason why I know this is because I subscribed to the, to, to a thing on Patreon, WrestleTix. I love it. I don't know why I'm so infatuated when it comes to ticket sales, but I'm infatuated with it. 
Um, I know. And um, um, <laughs> he'll say in his posts more time, more often than not, people didn't. He'll, when he puts in his numbers, it'll say I had quite a few readers who said that they didn't know AW was coming to town until two days ago or yesterday. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Just because you have a ticker at the bottom third of the screen that says that, hey, you tickets are on sale now for that event, somebody could easily be out, uh, not be paying attention. But you got to captivate the audience enough to do that. But you got to put enough money into the marketing strategy and not just two days before the show. You got to do it weeks ahead of the show. Run TV ads, run billboards, newspaper stuff. Put your thing on the TV. I remember when Dynamite came to Charlotte for the first time in 2019, the sixth, and, uh, the and, sixth yeah, episode of Dynamite. They had big ass billboards on in Charlotte. They had the cat buses with mm-hmm. AEW posters on them. Um, yeah, we only drew thirty four hundred people, or maybe even a little bit less than that. But they pushed out a much bigger campaign for that, and I at least saw it more than I didn't. And and hopefully with the new guy that's head of marketing now, he he used to work in WWE, Clemson alum. And yeah, so, buddy, look at that fight behind you. <laughs> Went to the good old Clemson. Yeah, you did. Um, hopefully the marketing gets better, but that has probably been their biggest issue. Um, I, and I know another thing, like mass emails. When WWE announces ticket sales, I know immediately when they're coming to Charlotte because I Ticketmaster, WWE, Fanatics, a bunch of – like I get 700 different emails saying, hey, WWE's coming to town. Here's your pre – you know the the venue itself will send out a, an email stating you have a pre uh, a pre code for the the pre sale type thing. If I get one for AEW, it's like the day tickets go on sale. Push that out before. Get people invested. I'll get one go. from the arena. Like I got one for Bojangles Coliseum when they came to Charlotte, and I got one for Greensboro when they came when they're going to Revolution. If you're subscribed to the All Elite Fleet, which is basically their newsletter, then you will get a pre code as well. They don't push that, so you don't even right. you don't even see it. If it was pushed out more that there's a newsletter that you can get the pre sale stuff, that if there's a promo going on for merchandise stuff, you would see it. Um, the one thing that I will say for AEW that in the midst of all that is with, with attendance stuff. First of all, I think the new guy of the head of marketing probably helped book the TV guard because they could have easily done the agonist arena in Boston and get 6,000 people in there, but they decided, no, we're going to get a chance and we're going to run that TV garden and hopefully get sent it to 13,000 people in there. Um, bold strategy. And I like it. Um, you look at their pay-per-view attendances. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Revolution's on pace to be in the three of all-time attendance records for AEW, and they've done plenty of 10,000-seat stuff. It's figuring to be in the top five, if not the top three. Right now we're at 15.4, 15.5, and if they sell the rest of these tickets, we'll be at 16,000. They can open another few sections. We could be closer to 17,000. And I know that, obviously, Wembley last year is first. Arthur Ashe, one is second. Um United and I think that if, um, it was 15,000. 15, I believe if they can get about 17,000 into this venue, it will be number three, maybe even 16,000. 
Um, and I think the gate would be number one at, in terms of on American soil. I think that's what Mel. That I would to. like to know of because I thought our I, I would put compare that with Arthur Ashe, the first one. So the first Arthur Ashe was pretty, or uh, the second Arthur Ashe. They had a little bit less attendance, but they had a million-dollar gate dynamite. So it'd be interesting to see what that looks like. But I would love to see the numbers on that in general. Um, I have two thing, two more things to comment on that. The first one is if you just price these things right, it, it'll happen. I understand you want to make a profit. Totally get it. I really, really, really do. You should not be selling tickets for your weekly television show less than what your pay-per-view is. I don't care what the card is. I don't care who is going to be on the card or who's not. If it's a pay-per-view, that's a more rare event than a weekly television show. Mm-hmm. People are paying to watch this show. To me, you would want those tickets to be a little more expensive. Collision tickets never fa- never wavered in Charlotte. They were between like 45 to $90, some even higher. But if you had a group pack like we did, you got them for cheaper. Done. Revolution tickets started out at twenty bucks, and they were like that the entire way through, and that's why they sold mm-hmm. out so quickly because the pricing tier was great. Mm-hmm. And I hope they do the same thing for the TD Garden in Boston. Sometimes you need to take the hit on the on on gate to fill up an arena because if people still don't really know your brand, AEW is only four years old, but they still have yet a lot of work to do to become a household name, to be a brand close to WWE, not on the same level, but close to it. Doing that will get the $20 tickets, the $30 tickets. Doing a little bit cheaper of a pricing plan, people will be more likely to come out to your show to see what it's like. And that's still a thing that AEW needs to work on for sure. Then lastly, I would say is look at the buy rates. Not one pay-per-view AEW has done has gone under 100,000 buys. That will continue for Revolution. Probably going to get 150,000 buys since this thing's last match. They're going to get over 100,000 buys. This is the reverse TNA effect. It's weird. TNA had really good ratings. 1.2, 1.4, 1.5, even 2 million viewers. AEW doesn't fully get that, but they have better attendance numbers than TNA did for their pay-per-views for just Dynamites and even have much bigger buy rates than TNA ever did for pay-per-views. It's weird. AEW doesn't have the greatest, strongest TV ratings, but phenomenal buy rate and very good attendances on a TNA scale. Mm-hmm. Whereas TNA had the viewers, they really rarely went ever outside Orlando. When they did, they bled money like a stuffed pig. And then they couldn't get over 60,000 buy rates. TNA never, ever, ever has gotten over 60,000 buy rates for any of their pay-per-views. AEW beat that on their first show and they didn't have a television deal. So it's just weird how that works. Only AEW is in a bad position, they just they just got work to do, and that's just the nature of the beast. Very long, long again, long, long, you know, long answer, but that's the sum of it. Long winded answer, right there. there well, that's go. all we got for you. I appreciate everybody that stayed on and tuned in to watch this show again. You want to ask us questions for the next time we do an ask me anything Q and A type of session. Go to junkyardmediagroup.com. Click the Discord logo. It'll pop you in. Join the Junkyard Media Discord. You'll you'll be able to converse with a bunch of awesome folk 
and, and it's not just our podcast. My 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 brother, We Two Deeps podcasts are on there. Then they have discussions. We can talk about WWE, talk about AEW, talk about just random different you know sporting events and things. I'm sure there'll be some talk about the Super Bowl on Sunday. Um, we we got a, a lady in there by the name of Kara Danvers, who's a big 49ers fan. So shout out to the 49ers. I hope they beat the Chiefs this week. Um, and my hand is a 49ers fan, so I guess by proxy I will be rooting for the 49ers <laughs> this weekend. Um, and so with that being said, um, pretty long episode. Almost gone in a, the whole hour and a half here. We'll let y'all we'll let y'all go to sleep. It's late here on a Thursday <laughs> night. Um, I will talk to y'all on the flip side. We will be back next Thursday, same time, nine o'clock. We'll, we'll we'll post what we'll talk about probably Tuesday or so next week, and uh, we'll see y'all next time on the Beyond the Junkyard podcast. Be out.